Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Hello, Hoopball Lakers family, and welcome to another solo pod from yours truly, JC DeLeon. Well, depending on if you're an optimist or a pessimist, this week has either been a good week or a bad week for Lakers fans. Three straight overtime games against two very bad and or weakened opponents in the very bad Detroit Pistons and the undermanned Oklahoma City Thunder will give you that kind of up-and-down emotional feeling. But as I said in my last episode... The Lakers are still on track for a seven-game winning streak going into that rematch with the Denver Nuggets on the road later on this week. So, for right now, I choose to be an optimist in this scenario. Their next opponent is the Memphis Grizzlies at home in Los Angeles. The Grizzlies have lost four out of their last five games, but they're very potent offensively. And they give up a lot of points, but they also score a lot of points. And so, it should be a pretty good matchup for the Los Angeles Lakers especially with the way they've been shooting and playing playing uh, offense lately. Their defense has been a little suspect, and for that reason, it could be a closer game than we'd like to see. Anthony Davis and Alex Caruso have experienced uh, some, some injuries. Uh, they keep throwing around the dreaded A word that I hate saying, uh, Achilles, with Anthony Davis. They're calling it Achilles tendon, tendinitis or tendinosis. Something to that effect. They keep saying there's nothing to worry about. It's all precautionary. It's just strained. But you hate hearing that word so often said around NBA players. It's such a nasty, gross word. Uh, it's my biggest worry that my favorite players will go through a torn Achilles at some point. And, you know, medical advances today, maybe it's not quite as bad as it used to be, but it's for sure would mean, you know, a year away from the game for any of our favorite players if that were to happen. Kevin Durant has made a really nice recovery from a torn one, and so has DeMarcus Cousins. So, yeah, medical advances, maybe it's not as dreadful as it used to be, but you definitely don't want to see any of that happen to any of our favorite Lakers. Uh, Alex Caruso has also experienced an injury. He's another precautionary one. He jammed two fingers, and basketball players jam fingers all the time. The fact that he's been out for two games is a little concerning. He's been on the sideline wearing a black glove around those two fingers. Uh, the way he tends to play defense, he you know gets a lot of deflections and things like that. It's probably how that injury happened in the first place. But we definitely want to see our guys, Anthony Davis and Alex Caruso, back out there as soon as possible, but only if they're 100% healthy. And as with any... any streak of any kind, whether good or bad, there's uh, good and bad to be uncovered. And so we'll take a look at the three box scores of the three straight overtime games to kind of see what we learned and what we didn't learn. Um, so the Detroit Pistons are one of the absolute worst teams in the league. They're second worst tied at six wins apiece with the Minnesota Timberwolves. 
Minnesota's one loss worse than Detroit. Detroit's just a bad team. They don't have any direction. They signed too many centers this offseason. Uh, Blake Griffin doesn't play second night of back-to-backs. He didn't play in this game versus the Los Angeles Lakers. And so the Pistons played a nine-man rotation. And Jeremy Grant, who a lot of people hoped would have been a Laker this offseason, uh, had a pretty get, pretty great game uh, this double overtime game. 32 points for him, 22 for DeLon Wright, uh, 28 for Josh Jackson. Uh, he played the absolute game of his life, and he's been a pretty inconsistent player ever since he's been drafted. But, yeah, Detroit shot the absolute lights out. They shot 16 for 42 from three. Just an overall really great game from them. The Lakers shot 9 for 19. Didn't take a lot of threes. Didn't make a lot. They made almost half of them, which is good. They just didn't take very many. Uh, This is a pretty good pairing game for Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Of course, they did have the double overtime to kind of benefit that, but that was the first game this season in which they both went for 30 points or more. 30 for Anthony Davis, 33 for LeBron, uh, 22 for Dennis Schroeder. Really good game for him, and good game for Kyle Kuzma, even though he didn't start. Um, 14 points for him off the bench, shot 3 for 5 from 3. Continuing to have a really positive uh, impact overall. Uh, again, not not blowing your skirt away. Not blowing your skirt up with uh, great stat lines, Kyle Kuzma is, but... He's just having a really great and positive uh, impact to this team defensively. Uh, seen a lot more minutes from Taylor Horton Tucker lately. This is kind of one of those games where the rotation didn't involve Wesley Matthews or Markeith Morris. And so the it was a strict nine-man mm-hmm. rotation with Caruso, Kuzma, Trez, and THT off the bench. Seven points, nine rebounds for Trez in this one. So, I mean, to look at the box score... It's nothing that stands out as to why it was such a bad game. It was just a lackadaisical effort from the Lakers that that led to this overtime game and a really stupendous effort from Detroit. Detroit wanted it more. I think once it got to the second overtime, LeBron wasn't playing around anymore, and he just wanted this thing over. And that's basically what ended up happening there. Uh, first game versus the Oklahoma City Thunder was a 119-112 victory for the Lakers. Oklahoma Oklahoma City was down to eight players. Uh, they mm-hmm. had some players out with uh, you know contact tracing and health and safety protocols of COVID, and so they were down to eight guys. Didn't leave themselves a lot of a lot of uh, rotation players, but. And they had Shea, Shea Gilders-Alexander, who they didn't have in the third game, which we'll talk about here in a second. But yeah, SGA, he's an up-and-coming player in this league. He had a great game, that one. 29 points and 10 rebounds. Also had 7 rebounds, so almost a triple-double for him. 21 for Darius Baisley. Hamadou Diallo with 20. 14 for Al Horford. Uh, Kenrich Williams had a great second game against the Lakers. Not so much this one. Uh, and this one, the Lakers... Uh, this was the first of the two games in a row without Anthony Davis, and so Frank Vogel did some experimenting. He put Markeith Morris into the starting lineup as opposed to Kyle Kuzma, who usually starts when Anthony Davis sits. And 
you know, overall, this this starting lineup did pretty well. Marquise Morris didn't do a whole lot. Uh, he made, you know, one of his two three-point attempts, got some rebounds, didn't get any assists or steals, but put in some pretty good pretty good minutes in his 25 minutes of playing time. Uh, but this is a huge game for the bench. So these are the minutes for the four bench players, and it was a slightly different rotation with Anthony Davis out. Markeith played, and so Wesley, we got to see some Wesley Matthews, but 30 minutes for Trez, 26 minutes for Taylor Horton Tucker, 26 minutes for Wesley Matthews, 22 minutes for Kyle Kuzma. Now Wesley Matthews uh, was the big surprise off the bench in this one. Now he didn't lead, lead the bench in scoring. That was actually Montrez with 21 points. Eight rebounds, two assists, and a block, and 14 field goal attempts in 30 minutes for Montrez. Uh, huge DFS play that day. Made me some money, actually. Uh, but Wesley Matthews, in his 26 minutes, uh, put up seven field goal attempts, five of which were threes, and he made four of those, scoring 16 points. But he also grabbed three rebounds, had an assist, and made two steals and a block. And so really great game for Wesley Matthews. Kind of a breakout game for him. Um, a nine-man rotation, I think, come playoff time is a little bit low of a rotation. And, you know, I think once Anthony Davis comes back, there's a place for Wesley Matthews to, to kind of be that tenth man. And then with Marquise, you can sort of stretch your regular rotation into an 11-man once you get Marquise some minutes. But, yeah, really great game for... For Wesley Matthews, this one, a uh, good game for LeBron, triple-double, 28-14-12, two steals, two blocks. Uh, but again, with the benefit of overtime, 19 for Dennis Schroeder. Didn't see a whole lot from Markeith, uh, KCP, or Marcus Gasol. Uh, 42 minutes for LeBron in this game and versus in that double double overtime game, 46 minutes versus Detroit. The third overtime game, which was last night, versus Oklahoma City Thunder. Again, not, OKC was down to another eight-man rotation. This time they were going to be without uh, SGA. And it was the game, game of his life for Kenrick Williams. 24 points off the bench. Huge DFS play for him. Hamadou Diallo had... 13 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks to go with 17 or 15 points. 25 for Al Horford, who benefited, I guess, from second night in a row of Marcus Gasol defense and Montrez defense. Uh, Al Horford, a little bit more savvy and athletic of a veteran to kind of take advantage of that matchup. Uh, Mike Muscala was the new player for this third game. Uh, second back, second game in a row with Oklahoma City Thunder, former Laker. Six points for, for Muskie there. But yeah, the, the concern with the Lakers in all these overtime games is going to be how many minutes LeBron played. And so he played 46, 42, he played 41 in this one, put up 25.7 rebounds, two steals. Had the three at the end of the fourth quarter to send the game into overtime and then just took over in the overtime to make sure that this was not going to be a double overtime effort. Uh, this game, Kuz did start uh, for Markeith Morris. They were still without Anthony Davis and Alex Crusoe in this one. 
another good game for Dennis Schroeder, 19 points. He His offense has been really consistent lately. He's been always going to be good for between 15 and 20 points a game, it seems. Uh, KCP didn't have a lot of opportunities to score defensively, but his defensive impact was offensively, but his defense defensive impact was there. Eight points for Marcus Sol. I think that's a little bit of a bonus. I think you're going to see you know two to four points for Marcus Sol if you can see eight or even ten double figures for him. That's always going to be good. Another good game in a row for Montrez Harrell. Uh, Thirty-two minutes for him. Put up twenty points. Grabbed four rebounds. Even had three assists and two blocks. Uh, and then yeah, back-to-back -back game, back-to-back -back games with some minutes for Wesley Matthews. Ten points in twenty-nine minutes for him. Shot three for eight from three, including some really clutch threes, and just kind of did a little bit of everything: two assists, two steals, one block. Uh, nine points for Markeith. I think coming off the bench is a little bit better of a situation for Markeith. Uh, nine points for him. One for four from three. Was open for a couple more opportunities. Got some rebounds. Got a steal. Our guy Tht. Played 18 minutes, didn't have as good of a game as he did before. I think this, I think for THC to really be productive, and I mean, I know 18 minutes isn't much of a difference from 20, but I think the magic number for him has got to be 20 plus. He's got to play 20 plus minutes to have like a real impact. I think anything beyond 20, he's super warmed up, he's within the flow of the game, he's able to do a lot more things. Anything less than 20, I think, I think he forces a lot of stuff offensively. And you can see that when 18 minutes he shot 0 for 3 from 3. But we did get 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block. So some peripherals there for him. But yeah, like I said last in the last episode, Lakers are perfectly on track for a 7 game winning streak to go into that road win, or road game versus Denver. And yeah, I think, uh, I think if they can stretch this to 7 games, if they can beat Denver, turn this into an 8 gamer, Beyond that, it's hard to really kind of take a look at what might be for this Lakers squad. But beyond that, they've got Minnesota Timberwolves. And so if you can get eight wins in a row versus Denver, Minnesota should be a ninth win in a row. And then you're back for another home stretch of Brooklyn, which will be a very tough game. And a really interesting game. I think that is going to be the matchup that people are going to want to see. How bad a defense is this Brooklyn Net defense? Uh, we have to wait a week to find that out. We'll have a closer preview for them. But then Brooklyn, Miami, Washington. And, yeah. So let's at least try to take this into a seven-game win streak versus Denver. If you can take care of Denver, make it an eight-gamer. You can easily turn it into a nine-game win streak versus Brooklyn. And then... In versus Brooklyn. Who knows what'll happen. Gonna take a quick break here and let Ethan tell you about one of our amazing products that we promote. We interrupt this broadcast because we need a brief announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh yes, back and fresh for the 2020-21 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Brewski, is writing an email newsletter Filled with his most intimate fantasy nuggets. It is exclusive content that you cannot find 
anywhere else. It is not on the website. It is not in any podcast. It's not on social media. It is only in the email newsletter and you can sign up to get it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021. Aaron Brewski, straight to your inbox every day. Enjoy and win your fantasy leagues in the process. So as with most things during an NBA season, this is about the time of year. Well, this specifically isn't about the time of year um, when trade rumors start to start. This is the time of year normally, not during COVID times, in which trade rumors are very hot and heavy. Um, right now, being early February, trade rumors are just starting to crop up because the trading deadline is sometime in April. So we are about... Five or six weeks away from a potential trading deadline, whereas normally we would be two to three weeks away from the trading deadline, if not sooner by now. And yeah, while the Lakers don't have a lot of places to maneuver, there are some rumors beginning to to take shape and take float. And I don't know how serious they are. Some of them don't come from super reputable sources, but I thought I would give my personal thoughts on some of the popular trading trade rumors that I've seen uh, come about. And so the first one we'll talk about is a, and I'll say this right off the bat, I don't think any trade is worth making for any player this season with this Lakers team as good as they are, with the exception of Bradley Beal. You can find a place to get a Bradley Beal, and Bradley Beal is going to be very costly. He's at minimum going to cost Kyle Kuzma and THT. And that is a very steep price for a Bradley Beal. But I think that I think a Bradley Beal move puts KCP back to the bench and it'll strengthen the bench in that sense. And maybe Kyle Kuzma will be a little bit happier in a place where he can fully flourish and kind of put up the numbers he did his rookie year and second year. And same for THT. THT would be completely unleashed in a situation like what Washington has. And, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll see them eventually come back to the Lakers once they're more seasoned free agents. So, so yeah. Even though I'll go over these rumors, I think there's only one player worth pursuing if it's even possible, and that's Bradley Beal or Bust for this Laker team. But for now, uh, let's examine this trade from a, a website called NBAanalysis.net. Uh, the headline, This Lakers-Rockets trade teams up Victor Oladipo with LeBron and Anthony Davis. We interrupt this podcast because we need a brief announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes. Back and fresh for the 2020-21 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, is writing an email newsletter filled with his most intimate fantasy nuggets. It is exclusive content that you cannot find 
anywhere else. It is not on the website. It is not in any podcast. It's not on social media. It is only in the email newsletter and you can sign up to get it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021. Aaron Bruski, straight to your inbox every day. Enjoy and win your fantasy leagues in the process. Two-man game with LeBron. I think LeBron is really taken to Alex Caruso. And I think defensively for morale and anchor purposes, I feel like Alex Caruso is a, a non-starter for, this, for any negotiations in a trade. Victor Oladipo is a really great defensive player. Uh, he's he's recovered pretty well from a pretty disastrous injury. And, yeah, while I would like the defense that Victor Oladipo brings, I just I would not like sacrificing the defense of Alex Caruso and KCP and uh, sacrificing the rebounding of Kyle Kuzma. And so, yeah, Victor Oladipo, no. He's, he's averaging... You know, in eight games in Houston, he's averaged 28.8 points per game, four and a half rebounds, five assists, shot 39% from the floor, probably shot less than that from three. But for those three players, not worth it for Victor Oladipo. Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, and Bismack Biombo for Montrez Harrell, Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, no. I think this is a lot of unknown pieces, none of which will start. You're basically sacrificing two anchors of your now solid nine-man rotation in Trez and THT for three pieces that you have no idea how they're going to really interact with this team. You don't know how they're going to how they're going to be defensively. You don't know how they'll really fit into the defensive scheme. Devontae Graham and Malik Monk are both really talented offensive players. Uh, Malik Monk has had a couple of really, really good games lately. Bismack Biombo isn't the defensive presence he used to be. He's had a couple of really good games this year. But I think if you're going to make a move for a big man, that's a big price to pay for, for a guy like Bismack Biombo, especially since Bismack Biombo is just a... I mean, one for one, Bismack Biombo is not as good as Montrezl Harrell, not as good as he's been for the Slavers team. And while Devontae Graham and Malik Monk combined do end up being a better offensive player than Taylor Horton Tucker, I think Taylor's uh, impact defensively as well as his potential ceiling just kind of make it a non-starter. And so this is a silly trade that I would also say no to. This next trade does make a little bit more sense when you factor in the rotation that's been playing and maybe in the regular season he hasn't had as much of an impact as you were hoping, certainly not as big of an impact as he had in the bubble, but Markeith Morris for Carmelo Anthony. This one makes a little bit more sense. You're going to get way more offense out of Carmelo Anthony than you would out of Markeith. Uh, Carmelo likes to rebound the way Markeith does. But Marquise does provide a valuable service in that he can guard smaller big men. You know, he can't guard a Nikola Jokic, if I can say his name. Can't guard Jokic, can't guard Drummond, uh, you know, can't really guard a Vucevic, can't guard 
those bigger bigs like that, but neither can Carmelo Anthony. And Carmelo Anthony can't really guard smaller bigs either. So I think you'll sacrifice a lot of defense with Carmelo Anthony in trading away Marquise Morris. You'll get way more offense, way, way more offense. Probably a better three-point shooter, too. Carmelo is shooting 36.8% from the field this year, where Marquise is shooting... Can't talk faster than my computer can think. Marquise is shooting 30%, 31% from three. And so you'll get way more three-point opportunities and a much higher percentage in Carmelo Anthony. Uh, I just don't think you'll see the defensive impact that you need from Marquise when you need it. Now, I think there'll be more and more and easier opportunities to play Carmelo than there will be for Marquise, but I think Marquise does provide a specific enough service that is more needed than than a Carmelo Anthony would be. But yeah, that cost isn't as high. Marquise for Carmelo, plus it would make LeBron really happy. Uh, I don't hate that trade. This is another one that is a pretty interesting one, and it's a three-player for three-player. And so in that sense, it's a little bit more fair and not quite as costly, but it is pretty costly. Uh, so Dennis Schroeder, Montrezl Harrell, and KCP, right away pretty steep price for Lakers fans. For Kyle Lowry, Aaron Baines, Terrence Davis. The big piece being, obviously, Kyle Lowry. Now, Kyle Lowry is up there in age. He's much older than Dennis Schroeder, um, but he's a savvy veteran, and he's probably on his way out of Toronto anyway. I think his veteran presence would absolutely be invaluable to this Lakers team. This season in Toronto, uh, Kyle is putting up 17.1 points per game, shooting 38% from three, which has always been kind of one of his, his issues. Uh, grabbing nearly six rebounds and averaging almost seven assists in 34 minutes a game. And so Kyle is definitely putting up some fantastic numbers. And, yeah, I think it would be a shame to lose Dennis Schroeder. Uh, Dennis Schroeder comparatively is putting up... I know he's not putting up 17. He's putting up 14 almost 15 points a game, grabbing five rebounds and less assists. Now, that's probably because he plays with LeBron James. So Kyle Lowry obviously wouldn't put up as many, wouldn't obviously get as many assists. He might still get as many rebounds, and he might still score about as many points. They're both in 34 minutes a game. Dennis Schroeder is playing, is playing roughly 31 minutes a game. So... Yeah, comparatively, I don't hate this trade either. Uh, I think Montrezl Harrell would be the more costly price in this one. He's played really great for the Lakers. Um, Aaron Baines isn't going to be the offense, the defensive presence that, that you think he's going to be. He's going to be a more productive center than Mark Gasol would be, but... You're trading away Montrezl Harrell, and so Marcus Gasol would still be on this team. If you're going to get a big man, I feel like you should get a big man to replace Marcus Gasol while still keeping Montrezl Harrell. 
and Terrence Davis for KCP. I just don't like. I don't know enough about Terrence Davis. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I know that I probably wouldn't be as comfortable with him the way I've been comfortable with KCP and his defensive contributions. Terrence Davis is putting up seven and a half points a game. Probably, probably similar stat line than than KCP. I just like the familiarity with KCP. KCP has the ability to just completely get on fire the way he was about a week and a half, almost two weeks ago. And you can definitely see him do that in the playoffs. And so while I do think Kyle Lowry would be a nice addition, the additional cost of Trez and KCP I think is too high. Plus Kyle Lowry's old. <laughs> He's 34 years old. I know LeBron's 36, but if you're talking about a foundation for success for this Laker team years from now, you kind of want to establish Dennis Schroeder more. Maybe Dennis Schroeder can get to the type of productivity that Kyle Lowry is producing. On to the next trade. KCP, another high price. Pretty much one for one for Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb was famously included in that Oklahoma City trade with James Harden, ended up in Charlotte from Oklahoma City. Jeremy Lamb this season has uh, only played in 10 games, 12 games, shooting nearly 50% from three. You definitely like that. Putting up 12 points a game. But again, it comes down to the familiarity with KCP, how streaky he can be. You know, loyalty and experience and chemistry really matter with this Lakers team, and KCP is clearly an important part of that. And to sacrifice it for a little bit more offense, when I think offensively this team has nearly no issues. Yeah, you, that's too too high a cost, and you'd be there's way too much risk involved with as little upside as Jeremy Lamb could provide. So, no to Jeremy Lamb. Next one, Evan Fournier for KCP, Alex Caruso. With all these trades, there are also draft picks, um, but I'm not really going to mention the draft picks. Uh, it's second round in 2022, second round 2023. Not important. Uh, Evan Fournier for KCP, Alex Caruso. No. <laughs> Evan Fournier is a nice piece. Almost 18 points a game. Shoots 35% from three in nearly 28 minutes. Since KCP is included in the trade, you got to figure Evan Fournier would be inserted into the starting lineup. And so, you know, right away you're going to see points drop way, way down. And so you need to know if he's even comfortable with his contribution going way, way down in the stat line like that. Similar, you know, he's going to put up eight, nine points a game on the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron, LeBron James. So you've got to know if Evan Fournier is even going to be comfortable with that the way KCP already is. And on top of that, Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso uh, is going to be a no. We love Alex Caruso. We love his contribution on defense. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a no for me. Final trade I'll talk about is another interesting one. Uh, it's definitely a great player. Zach Levine has been playing fantastic this season for Chicago. He is... Just flailing away in Chicago. Chicago's going nowhere. 
he's putting up all these amazing numbers that aren't going to amount to much because Chicago is just not going to do anything. But in this proposed trade, Zach Levine for Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Taylor Horton Tucker, a 2022 first-round pick, and a 2025 first-round pick. And, again, Zach Levine, fantastic player. But if you're the Lakers and you're willing to part with Kyle Kuzma, KCP, and Taylor Horton Tucker, if you're willing to pay this kind of a price in a trade, why would you do it for Zach Levine when you could instead do it for Bradley Beal? Bradley Beal, I think, is going to give you a much more highly impactful presence than Zach Levine would. Plus, Zach Levine's a pretty terrible defender. And I don't know how... You know, the advantage to this, obviously, is most of your second unit can stay intact. You've got Montrez. You've got Wesley Matthews. You can finally... You can fit Markeith into the mix. You've got a open roster spot. You can look to the, to the buyout market for you know players that might be available like a JaVale. For big men that might be available like a JaVale or like a Mo Bamba maybe. Somebody somebody like that. So a trade like this does is interesting in that it mostly because it opens up a roster spot. And I think the buyout market will be pretty impactful this season but I don't know you know I think the most interesting player in a buyout market could be like an Andre Drummond or LaMarcus Aldridge those are really costly players to buy out for their respective teams and I think Drummond is probably easier to trade than a LaMarcus Aldridge might be but you know a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge I feel like might end up going back to Portland if he gets bought out. And then Andre Drummond will probably be traded rather than bought out. Uh, so it remains to be seen what kind of big men would be available. But a trade like this, getting rid of Kuzma, KCP, THD, for one player, whether it be a Zach Levine or Bradley Beal, I do like that it does open up a roster spot to find an impactful big man to play, uh, to, I think, potentially start. Uh, versus, you know, in place of Marcus Gasol. Uh, Marcus Gasol will still be on this team. He'll still be a veteran presence, and he'll still provide uh, really great minutes. It just You just won't have to rely on him to provide as many minutes. And so, yeah, this type of trade, I, I mean, I don't hate only if, if the prize is, is a Bradley Beal. I think for this kind of cost, it's Bradley Beal or bust. We interrupt this broadcast because we need a brief announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes. Back and fresh for the 2020-21 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Brewski, is writing an email newsletter filled with his most intimate fantasy nuggets. It is exclusive content that you cannot find anywhere else. It is not on the website. It is not in any podcast. It's not on social media. It is only in the email newsletter and you can sign up to get it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021. 
Aaron Brewski straight to your inbox every day. Enjoy and win your fantasy leagues in the process. I do take a look at the standings near, nearly every day and kind of see where teams are at. And so, you know, the Lakers we talked about being on this six, potentially seven, eight game winning streak. Um, they're now tied with Utah. Utah had a really long winning streak at one point, and so now they're tied at 20 wins apiece. Uh, Utah being one loss better, 20 and five than the 20 and six Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Clippers had a little bit of a slide lately. Had a big win last night, so they're now eight, 18 and eight. Uh, Phoenix continuing to soar, 15 and nine. Um, I knew they'd be good. Didn't quite know they'd be four seed in the West good, but they're definitely playing really well, and they're they're a good defensive team. Portland at 13 and 10 in that five spot. San Antonio on the rise, 14 and 11. They've been playing really well lately. Now that Lamarcus Aldridge has been back, and if the Lakers are going to be this far into the playoff picture, I don't see them getting rid of Lamarcus Aldridge at all. Uh, and so, if the Lakers are going to continue to be a playoff team throughout the season, or as we get closer and closer to the trading deadline, they're just not going to make any moves. Uh, Denver is finally on the come up at 13 and 11. They had a slow start to the season, but they are now firmly in the playoff chase in that seven seed. Golden State holding on to that playoff seed at 13 and 12. Sacramento been playing some really great offensive basketball lately. Still a pretty horrendous defensive team, but they are now a 500. Uh, but they are now a, horrend- a horrendous 500 team. Uh, horrendous defensively at 12 and 12. Uh, Memphis at 10 and 10 in that ninth spot. Dallas is finally starting to creep up. You know, I talked about Dallas being in a pretty pretty hard hole to dig themselves out of, and they're still digging themselves out of it. But they are not. You know, not towards the bottom of that pile anymore at 12 and 14. Currently in that 11 spot. But I've got to imagine that Dallas can overtake Memphis pretty easily. And Sacramento is not going to be on this winning streak for very long. And so, yeah, I think Dallas could start to creep up. And they you could see a pretty, pretty good fight for that 8 spot between Golden State and Dallas. New Orleans at 11 and 13. They're just bad. Really bad loss last night against Chicago. Chicago is not a good team at 10 and 14. New Orleans gave up 40 points in that third quarter. And you can tell whether or not I bet on that game by knowing exactly how many points New Orleans gave up in that third quarter. Uh, Houston at 11 and 13. They've been playing some good defensive ball lately since getting rid of James Harden, but it doesn't seem to be enough. And Victor Oladipo will more than likely be traded since he's an expiring contract. If, the, if Houston's not going to make any kind of noise in the playoffs, yeah, expect Victor Oladipo to be traded. Oklahoma City at 10-14, they're not going to do much. They didn't expect to do much. Uh, Minnesota at 6-19. I don't think Anthony Edwards is having quite the impact that people thought he was going to have. Some people really like him. Uh, I don't. I don't think... I don't think he was a better draft pick than James Wiseman long-term. Um, but I know that Minnesota was in a tough spot. How are you going to play James Wiseman and Carl Anthony Towns together? The answer is you just do it. You figure out a way. You take the better player. I didn't think Anthony Edwards was uh, was it. 
uh, over in the east, uh, Philadelphia seems to have a pretty firm hold on that one spot. 18 and 7 versus Milwaukee at 16 and 9, but Milwaukee surging back up to that second spot. If they start to play better defensively, uh, they might get to the top of the East once more. Brooklyn is starting to play better at 15 and 12. They did have a three game losing streak, and they've been without Kevin Durant for a little while due to the health and safety protocols for COVID. But at 15 and 12, Brooklyn is holding on to that three spot. Uh, Boston. Toronto, Indianapolis, and Charlotte all have 12 wins apiece, uh, but different losses. And so Boston is on top of that pile, followed by Toronto at 5, uh, tied, tied with Toronto and Indiana at 5, Charlotte at 12 and 14 in that 7 spot. Pretty surprising there. Charlotte, really fun team to watch. LaMelo Ball, probably going to be a rookie of the year. Atlanta. Atlanta's in the playoff mix at 11 and 13, along with the Knicks at 11 and 15. And you've got Miami. You've got to figure Miami figures it out and comes comes back at some point. Although they're in the same situation as Dallas, where they they find themselves in a hole that they're trying to dig themselves out of. Whether or not they can do it remains to be seen. Uh, Chicago at 10 and 14, holding on to that 10 spot. Cleveland at 10 and 16. Again, uh, Cleveland looked like they could have been a playoff team, but they've stacked some losses recently. Orlando nine and sixteen, Washington six and sixteen, and rounding out the East, Detroit at six and eighteen. And so that is going to be our show for today. Yeah, look to the Lakers to continue this winning streak uh, versus Memphis on Friday. And hopefully continue it against Denver on, I think it's either Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember right now if it's a back-to-back or if there's a day in between. But, yeah, hopefully the six-game winning streak can turn into an eight-game winning streak. Uh, until next time, you can follow me on Twitter at jcdillion one You can follow the show at Hoopball Lakers. Follow all of our Hoopball Gaming Twitter accounts, or Hoopball, Hoopball Twitter accounts, including Hoopball Gaming. Uh, 10 bucks a month, you can get some really great gambling advice from our hoop guys over at Hoopball Gaming. Um, but until next time, we are out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.